Yeah. Uh, so let's get into it. Another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. Um, I think I'm not going to speak for Mike here, but uh, I'm a little concerned. I wouldn't say I'm yeah. alarmed. I'm not panicked, but I'm a little concerned. Uh, the Eagles. I think it's appropriate. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. I think it's appropriate to uh, maybe raise a uh, concern flag here. Even mm-hmm. though it's pretty early on in the season, uh, we're going to be previewing this upcoming week's matchup later on in this uh, podcast. But ah, just a couple yeah, of days away, we... also. I mean, it's Monday now. We're recording Monday night around eight fifteen, and uh, the Eagles on Thursday after dropping their last two games, uh, one on the road to Atlanta, which is more of a heartbreaker. Uh, to me, in my eyes, whereas yesterday's uh, kind of looking back on yesterday's game, it was just kind of a ugly game all the way through. I mean, there was a lot of fight, but it really just turned out bad. Now they're they're turning around and having to travel to Lambeau uh, on a short week to play on Thursday night football. So they're definitely up against it. Yeah, never an easy task going into uh, Lambeau Field playing against the Packers on a short week. When you're still going to be down a lot of players um, in your roster who are out this last game, uh, you, you know, you hope there, there are, on the plus side, there are things uh, that we'll talk about today that can be fixed uh, quickly. Let's hope. To, let, let's hope to ensure, you know, the Eagles have a much better shot <laughs> at winning the game. Um but we'll get into that stuff as this conversation goes on. And we um, should try to highlight yeah. some positives too. I think not only what can be fixed, but things that, you know, are going well, which might be at this point, you know, few and far between, but they're still worth uh, highlighting. And I think there are a couple on our agenda here, but um, there's been a, a lot going wrong, uh, a lot less going right, but we, we have to hold out hope. I mean, it's still young. The season still has a lot in front of the Eagles. still have a lot of, in front of them this season still 13 games to play and a lot of really tough teams still to play so you have to hope this is some combination of injuries and shaking the dust off and not playing in preseason I mean that's that hope is really all that's there at this point uh yeah as they turn around to try to face Aaron Rodgers and the Packers but um what was you know it's hard to combine these two games but to me even though the the outcome of the game the way we looked at it as fans were both different between Atlanta and Detroit um, both games that could have been won. I mean, I, I yeah. think that's probably the most frustrating part. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, I think Carson, I think you have to give him credit for late in the game, uh, putting the ball in the right place to give his team a chance to win. And I think that's what you're looking for out of Carson. So I, I do think that is a, a nice sign. Um However, the big problem that's been that's been going on for a long time coming from last year is the Eagles inability to get off to quick starts, score points in the first quarter and the first half. Uh, we just keep finding ourselves in this position where we're playing from behind and we got to fight, you know, to get our team back in position to win it. And it the past two weeks, it's just been too much. Yeah, and I, I think what's interesting is this past Sunday, yesterday against the Lions, they were able to come out and score some points in the first quarter. They just didn't yeah. score any in the second quarter. So it's it's kind of become a first-half thing. And I don't think that 
you know, as fans, we were going, why aren't there more points in the first quarter? And then you can take the second quarter off. You know, we want to see what the Eagles were up to once they kind of hit their stride in the, you know, end of the first quarter of the season, beginning of the second quarter of the season in 2017, when they were just dropping 30 and more on point on teams uh, and coming out of the gate really hot. And we're just not really seeing that right now. Right. Or not. And it's concerning. And I guess I wonder, is this a Doug thing at all? At least the, the fast start. Do you, is that part of it something that you hinge on what Doug is calling or personnel or any of those kinds of things? I think Doug, being the head coach, has to take a big portion of the blame for, you know, it's his job to get his players prepared and ready to play uh, right as the game gets going. Uh, execution is something that's going to be on the players, but uh, yes, Doug is Doug. Doug needs to rethink some of his methodology in order to get these guys ready to play. Uh, what do you think? I, I agree. And I think, you know, not only about the start, but just the idea of playing from behind, you know, um, there's been a stat that was put out there and it was uh, Elliot Tour parks had put it out, but um, I don't remember. Basically it was when Carson Wentz has the lead at halftime. He's something like, and uh, this is a little arbitrary. I don't remember exactly, but like, let's say he's 15 and one. Whereas if he doesn't, he's something like eight and 15. Wow. So it's really compelling. I mean, he's somebody who has had a lot of success over the course of his career when he's been healthy. And I, I think that playing from behind, he does press. I think you and I probably as fans and watching Carson now for a few years, we can see it. And some of those press, the, some of that pressing that he does leads to amazing plays. Like what happened is he's fallen to his knees in Atlanta and, and completes the ball um, to, to almost win the game. And, I think that some of those heroics are based on him pressing, but some of the rest of the vibe of the game is him pressing and other players really trying to press also. And it seems like they're trying to force something to happen instead of, you know, what Doug had said to Carson before the season was let the offense work for you. And I don't think that, I don't think that's happening. And as a result, they're not putting up points, uh, not just in the first quarter, but the second quarter and, not really coming into the locker room with the comfort of how do we want to treat the rest of this game? It's like, boy, I hope we can get back into it. You know, it's this kind of uh, always playing from behind mentality. And it seems to, to kind of require that for them to, to get their, to get their act together and kind of put together a proper game plan to get back on the board in a hurry. But I think they should just, you know, they should be aiming to in green Bay, come out possessing the ball and putting points up on the board early. I agree, and maintaining possession and and consistent consistently uh, longer drives than they've been um, experiencing. Too many, too many three and outs. Too many, uh, you know, punting the ball away, not giving the defense enough time to recover, and just overall not shifting the momentum in the game in their favor. And I, the offense needs to be able to control possession. Uh, and sustain drives in order in order to do that and to be fair the injuries particularly to Deshaun Jackson and to Alshon Jeffrey on offense and specifically on defense where I feel like we're kind of focusing more on the offense starting fast that Malik Jackson gets hurt in the first game Timmy Jernigan gets hurt in the second game against Atlanta so they're really hurting for personnel and they are in both situations the defense and the offense are having to 
come up with ways to create a scheme. When the Eagles were really successful, we were seeing Timmy Jernigan have a sack, and then Derek Barnett would have a sack, and then it was just kind of this same thing on offense. Ertz would have a catch, and then Alshon would have a catch, and then Nelly would have a catch. There was this kind of spreading around that had a flow to it, and it seemed like Doug was the orchestrator of that flow, the way that the plays would kind of unfold. And right now, I think because of injuries and also for the people who are playing, not really performing all that great, he's kind of struggling because he doesn't know where that rhythm will develop and he's trying different things. But, you know, I think at a certain point they're really limited. And I think they're limited here in their pass rush and in their offensive weapons. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with you. Um, Go ahead. A lot, a lot of change has occurred over, you know, the past uh, two weeks with Deshaun and Alshon both going down and they're, you know, the Eagles, the Eagles need to find a way to overcome that. It it can't just be, uh, and, and the players on the defensive side of the ball who we've lost as well. The team needs to, uh, it, it can't be our excuse that we're not performing up to standard. We, Doug and the coaching staff, you know, need to figure out a way to continue to get the team to play at the level they want them to be at. Well, and, and maybe this is a segue uh, if you're okay transitioning to this, but I think, you know, yesterday as well as the game against Atlanta. Now, the game against Atlanta, it bears saying that, you know, Alshon and Deshaun and as well as Dallas Goddard were all hurt like in warmups, it seemed like. So this wasn't something where the team had plenty of time to put a uh, game plan together and just, you know, still didn't manage to do it. They're on the spot trying to figure it out. And I give Doug a lot of credit and Carson a lot of credit for keeping them as in the game as they were on the road in Atlanta on Sunday night football. But, you know, to be able to have a week before you go into Detroit and scheme with JJ Arcega Whiteside, Arcega Whiteside, I feel like he, at this point, he might have to earn that TH. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, yeah. I was watching the replay right before we uh, started mm-hmm. this this podcast, and you can't ask Carson to throw a better ball, um, a, a deep ball, to ultimately put your team up uh, in, in the lead to win the game. And it hit J.J. right in the hands. That was his moment, a big moment. And, you know, he, he, really, he really let us – he really dropped the ball there. I liked how you started it by saying you can't ask Carson. Now he had a bad first half against Atlanta. He threw picks. He was he looked all over the place. But that was a beautiful large ball. over these last couple games. He's been like the only reason that they've been really in it. I agree. Uh, so I I think you can't ask Carson to do much more than he's doing. It's these other players that really need to step up. And then on the other side of the ball, the pass rush. But you know, to go back to what I was saying before, without. Deshaun without Alshon with having to use backup players the Eagles seem to think ahead this year they drafted Miles Sanders as a running back out of Penn State who really had a lot of hype going around him in preseason and even at the beginning of this year and he's flashed a little bit uh and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside who was supposed to be an Alshon type and go up and win and I think that's the thing going back to J.J. that's most disappointing we didn't see him make a play that he's not that type of player to make that play we saw exactly what he was drafted for, like that same scenario where he didn't come down with it. And I think that is disheartening to fans and people, you know, immediately are going to say bust and that kind of thing. And I'm not ready to go there, but there are a lot of players, a lot of receivers that were taken after JJ that have been very productive so far. So, and that's not to say he won't be, 
And that's not to say that maybe, you know, he will be either. Maybe Deshaun and Alshon comes back and JJ has to kind of, you know, develop over the course of this year. But I think, like you said, it's no excuse. And those players need to be ready also. You know, I think Matt Collins has filled in okay. Uh, but yeah, I feel I mean, disappointed in our second round picks like after yesterday, not overall, but just after yesterday, it's kind of hard to look at those and, and say like, you know, how he did exactly what he was supposed to there. Cause both of these guys had opportunities. Yeah. And it's a tough one. Um, it's a tough one to predict it. You know, it's almost like say the Eagles had just, they caught like a disease of dropping passes, fumbling the ball. Um, penalties know. too penalties right um a lot of offensive pass interference calls two on mac collins one on d sproles the d sproles one did look more a little more legit like an offensive pass interference but uh uh you know like i heard on the radio you know michael irving is in the hall of fame for doing that exact thing right um miles sanders fumbles the ball two times in one drive yep nelson aguilar fumbles the ball after after catching it um a yep. lot of dropped passes by nelson One dallas thing, goddard drops quick. a touchdown pass jj yep. drops a touchdown pass it was yep. it, it wasn't one guy you know <laughs> well um but um a lot going wrong a lot yeah going wrong. a lot across the board and the one thing i will say as far as calls that miles sanders like face mask to the point that he was like the it's like turning his head all the way around the league is yeah. absolutely going to hear about that you know in terms of the safety of the game part of what makes it you know that's never something safe but at least if there's a penalty called there's acknowledgement that it was foul play for it to just go unnoticed that's that's kind of a blemish and honestly the fact that sanders was able to be productive after having his neck turned around you know almost all the way i feel like is is really something but to mention about Sanders just real quick and one of those positives that we mentioned in the intro of the podcast today I thought he really looked good as a passing threat yesterday like almost oh, that like Kamara like uh, wheel route kind of yep. thing that this the Eagles have really been missing that and so I think if that if that's Miles for right now and he's kind of having to develop his actual run game and being able to see gaps and doing all that stuff if he can just be a great pass catching back and we can get Corey back healthy and this kind of leads in, I think Jordan Howard can do that stuff for us. I think right. Miles can be that change of pace. Maybe he's carrying the ball here and there, but he's kind of catching these, you know, quick um, wheel routes or uh, little screens, bubbles and stuff like that, and just running the ball. And I think he has that ability. And if that's how it's working and with Doug trying to fumble and figure out, not literally fumble, but just kind of scramble, I should say, to figure out, how to get this offense working. That's something yesterday that worked. Jordan Howard running the ball seemed to work. Definitely did. Uh, very productive, especially on the drive in the first quarter. Uh, good runs, uh, you know, had the touchdown. Uh, just a powerful runner and somebody who, you you, you know, you got to have put a little more confidence in. You know, it was a little surprising. After Miles Sanders fumbled his first ball, you would think questionable move by Doug here, possibly not to sit him for the rest of that drive. He went up sitting why, later, but I agree why wouldn't him. you? Why wouldn't you sit him when you have Jordan Howard on the bench? Why would you know? Send a message to the rookie. Obviously, that's not okay. You don't want to totally destroy the kid, so you're not going to ruin his confidence. You, you're, you know, you're putting him back in. Obviously, he fumbled twice. They had him back there to return the 
was it a kickoff that the face mask was on that didn't get called or was that a punt? Uh, that was a kickoff return, I believe. So, you know, he just fumbles the ball twice. They, they still put him out there to return the kickoff, which I thought was, I was like, wow, okay, here we it's go. Just, and then that face puzzling. mask. Called. Honestly, this whole Howard thing, this whole Jordan Howard thing, you trade for him. Now you traded for him before you drafted Miles Sanders. And I get that, but you traded for him. I'm sure there was at least a thought. Maybe we'll try to pick up a back in the draft. And he's been productive. I mean, Jordan Howard is a vanilla running back. There's nothing flashy about him, but he gets positive yards. And when he was running yesterday, the whole team looked together. So to me, yeah. if you're if you're Doug, uh, and to Mike and I probably both as as lifelong Eagles fans looking at this, like, well, that's working. Let's use that. And if this is your identity for now, while the other players, Deshaun and Alshon and, you know, the offense is getting figured out otherwise, then that's your identity. If it's productive, it's productive. It's like last year when people say, oh, there's too much Ertz. They're throwing the ball to Ertz too much. Well, he keeps getting open and making catches. So if it's working, it's working. And I think there's something to that, especially for a team that's, you know, really in a tough spot right now. Um, So I'm just kind of confused by the Jordan Howard thing. I genuinely hope this Thursday has more Jordan Howard uh, featured as a way to kind of possess the ball. And I think Miles can be mixed in. Let me ask you this, Mike, kind of off the cuff. Do you think Miles Sanders has it or not? Do you think he's he's going to be a, a player for the Eagles or do you think not? at this point i know it's very early hard to make that call but in your gut absolutely uh miles Miles sanders yeah he looks like he's got all of the um intangibles you'd want for a running back um and the things that like you were saying seeing what he can do in the passing game just opens up um a lot of different options and um he's he's gonna be He's going to be very successful. He clearly needs to develop a little bit more with his um, holding on to the ball. Uh, and that was the it, book on him coming out of Penn State, too. He had a – I think he, he carried the ball uh, for – he only was the starter for one year, and he didn't have a ton of carries over the course of his college career, but he had, like, something like 30 fumbles. So right. that's significant. Well, and, he, you know, he had to sit behind Saquon for all those years and then really only got one full year of, of – prime time playing time at Penn State right and I think you know the the rest of it was that well he doesn't have great ball security and also he's not great at blitz pickup honestly he showed great skills in blitz pickup that's something where I think what, for what you talked about before things that can improve I think he can improve in terms of fumbling yep. and being able to hold it and from what right. we saw against the Falcons hit the hole a little more than dance around so I I definitely have faith in Miles Sanders I'm gonna ask you the same question though JJ right now JJ Arthega Whiteside are you feeling it right now or no I uh, he hasn't I shown really it decent. yet he hasn't shown it yet in a game um against NFL starters uh he showed it he had a great game in the preseason but that's not against starters um uh, so I'm too early to tell what, what, what's your call on JJ. I'm just trying to think right now, and maybe you can help me kind of formulate this. JJ had a rough game on Sunday. JJ's caught two passes for 14 yards over the course of his three game career so far. Not super great. And for that, but how many times was, how many times was he targeted and And how long was he on the field for? That's important to consider. But yesterday he was in a prime position. If JJ Arthago White's about a completely different player today you and i are, are thinking well how you know how really nailed it with this um this this was a great pick people said it was a luxury pick this guy and went up and won the ball 
Um, we have like two Alshons now. I mean, the, the dialogue would be a lot different about him as a second round pick coming into the game, pressed into action because of injury. Instead, the dialogue right. is much different. So I guess what I was going back to is like, if you were to, if you were to have a redemption game on Thursday against the Packers, what would that look like stat wise? And I know stats are, are hard to kind of build around, but in for your mind, like, J- let's both for JJ think about this. So if JJ comes back on Thursday, let's assume all the same personnel are there that we don't get Alshon or Deshaun back. It's still uh, just Nelly, uh, Mac Collins, and JJ. What would constitute a redemption game for JJ in your eyes? Well, if JJ hits, if JJ hits that same route where he's, um, I can't hear you, man. You sound really far away. Yeah, I can like barely hear you. You got me? Nope. I can hear you. I know. I could hear you really well before, and now you sound like very far away. Hello? Yeah, there you are. Did I lose you again? Where are you? I'm right here. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, you just sounded like super far away there for a second. Um, okay. But yeah, what, what would constitute a, a good game in your eyes uh, for JJ on Thursday, like a redemption game? So, I, I mean, ideally, I think for JJ, you're looking for something like um, five catches for 50 yards would be, would be a hell of a game for JJ. Uh, if he could, if he could put that up, that's a great, that's a great building block to start off. If he doesn't, if did you say five a, for 50? I did. I said five, yeah. five catches, 50 yards, somewhere around yeah. that, maybe like between, you know, f- anywhere like 50 yards plus or minus 10. So anywhere between 40 and 60 yards, um, yeah. stuff plays where he is able, Carson's able to locate JJ for, about 10 yards so we're looking at first down types of catches out of jj Mm -hmm. that would be a big Mm -hmm. step yeah and i I, that's really i love what you said there because i really think even though we want to say like oh well he should go off and have you know two touchdowns and i think that's unrealistic and i think what mike and i both aim to do is be realistic and and as fans try to look at things realistically especially for a rookie player like we said before who's forced to play because of injury Um, but I think five for 50 would be a great game for him. And I'd love to see him go up and make one of those catches. I, like I said, I think the thing Uh, that's most disappointing is that that's exactly what he was drafted for and watching his highlights after he was drafted, he did tons of it. So it's not like it's, it's something that would be new for him. If they can give him another opportunity, try to build his confidence up, confidence up rather. I think that'll really help. I agree. All right. So one more thing before we get into, uh, green Bay. sound and the um the good connections and all that through the anchor phone calling recording setup uh all together so if we had any blips or glitches tonight uh, we apologize we'll try to get that a little better next time but um the last thing and, and it's cooled off a little bit is this jalen ramsey trade talk being able to acquire yeah. jalen ramsey from the jags via trade so uh, you know, the secondary wasn't exactly the issue yesterday, but they definitely were uh, down in Atlanta. So I guess we haven't talked about it on the podcast. It, like I said, it's cooled off. There's even rumors now that the Jaguars might keep him. What are your thoughts on this? Well, right now it looks like it looks like 
things are cooling off, so I'd be surprised to see a deal happen. Um, however, if the Eagles are in um, the position where they can acquire him, you got to do it. Okay, so if you're Howie, the deal, he's still interested in being traded. Jags are still interested in trading him because part of what's out there is that they are still interested in trading him, but it's that they're trying to drive up the price. They're saying, well, maybe we'll just pay him kind of thing as a way to get other teams to pay. But you're saying as like GM, you would step in and say, if, if this guy's available, I'm going to do it. Well, there's – okay. So, I mean, I guess if we're going to talk, how much would we give up? Um well, let's try to maybe put this together. So okay. what, what would we be willing to part with to acquire, um, you know, arguably, let's call him a top three cornerback in the league? I'll say this. Peter King, who I think of as a, a you know, a bright football mind, uh, he said that he believes that the Eagles are a front runner. This is when the Jalen Ramsey right. talk was a lot hotter, that it would require a first, a third, and Sidney Jones. And at the time, I said – Let's do it. Let's make it happen. The issue now is that Ronald Darby left the game with a hamstring injury yesterday. So it's unclear to me, and I haven't listened to Doug's, excuse me, press conference from today. So I'm not sure if, if he's somebody who's, you know, just kind of tweaked his hamstring and he'll be back. He just needed a a break. Or if it's something where we're going to be without now Ronald Darby again for whatever it is, the third year in a row. So if that's the case, I'm a lot less willing to give up Sidney Jones. Um, because then you only have Razul uh, and Maddox, and then you know who knows after that point. So, I I think they're in a position now where it would have to be another player, and this might be an interesting segue. Although I want to stick with the Jalen Ramsey talk. What if it were Nelly, Mike, as the ultimate Nelly supporter? <clears throat> that was a deep breath. That was a deep well, breath. Well, I'm. It's you're cut. It's coming at an interesting time because you're mm-hmm. coming. Off Nelson's um, probably one of his worst games since before uh, the Super Bowl year. Can uh, I stop you there for one 20, second? 2016. Sure. What do you got? All I was going to say is this leads into for, real quick. If it was a first to third Nelly, would you do it for Jalen Ramsey? Before we move on to Nelly? I don't think I would. Wow. Okay. Especially at this point in the season, I understand where you're coming from. Because, again, like with the Darby thing, you don't know what you're going to have in terms of a receiving core because these injuries to Alshon and Deshaun are really up in the air. I haven't heard anything as far as a timetable. Right. Um, I've heard, like, guesses, but I-, I can see where you're coming from there. Okay, let's go to Aguilar. You said worst game, right? This, this had to be his worst game <laughs> since, okay. since the season of all of the drop passes where Doug had to uh, sit him for a game. Um, where, where so, you can... so all I was going to say is as a Nelson Aguilar fan, you just said it was his worst game. And this is what I call the Aguilar enigma. Okay. And there's been lots of things about it. I listened to um, the birds with friends podcast with Bo Wolf and Chilkapadia and Chilkapadia, a longtime writer for the Eagle or not for the Eagles, but about the Eagles um, for a variety of outlets. But he, he had said it's the full Aguilar experience. And what he means by that is you're going to see these dazzling plays that make you go, man, this guy's unbelievable. And then you're also going to see, the drops and you're going to see the, the mindless kind of moments that he seems to have. So he went yesterday for 50 yards and two touchdowns, the game against Atlanta. Yeah. He had a crucial drop that was absolutely brutal. Probably, you know, would have been a 60 yard touchdown. I think we can both agree. And if they score that, they probably win that game. Not probably they do win that game. Um, 
But in that game, he had 107 yards and a touchdown. So the enigma here is that he's productive. Now, somebody has to catch the ball, and Carson Wentz doesn't have a lot of options right now. But he seems to be equally having a lot of success and also brutal mishaps on the field that are causing the team to suffer. Right. So as the ultimate Nelson Aguilar supporter, well, you know, there are those amongst our friend circle, Mike, who may believe that this has something to do with you and your support of him. So can you make us help us to understand what's going on with <laughs> Nelly right now? What's going on? Um, with Nelly? Can you be the Nelly ambassador for, for me? Help me to understand because I want to love the guy. Well, you know, I'm going to I'm trying to uh, come at this from a reasonable a- angle here to explain that kind of production while also ending um, very important drives yesterday with a drop pass um, and a fumble on a, a very quick catch and run. Um, I, I would kind of like to know how many targets Alshon got in yesterday's game, because my hunch is Alshon as Nelly. number one, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Nelly, right? Nelly. Yeah. Um, um, my hunch is that Nelly being the number one receiver starting yesterday's game, he had a lot of balls thrown his way. I think uh, so too. The offen- I think that's fair. The offensive, uh, play calling was probably a lot, um, around, Aguilar, um, and and you saw a lot of passes going to Ertz, Goddard out of the game, but that's different position. So to explain, you know, some of his production, he was targeted a lot yesterday, and maybe maybe that's a little too much for for um, him right now to be expected to carry that much weight in a game. You know, that's like he would have ended up with. You know, Julio Jones, big game numbers, had he caught everything and um, ac- accumulated all those yards. Maybe he's he's almost there, but he, he's he's not ready yet. And I think he's and this is my own opinion. I know you're you're like I said, a Nelly supporter, but and I am, too. I love I love Aguilar's potential. I just see these things as such, like I said, an enigma. It just is such a strange thing that he's able to make these unbelievable plays, spinning off of people yesterday to run into the end zone when things seem really hopeless, and then also having drops. It's just such a weird duality. But after the game against the Redskins uh, during the press conference with Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun mentioned like, oh, you know, Nelly was talking to me today about how he wished he got more targets. Well, now they're here. And I think what's going on is that Nelly is a better complimentary receiver than he is a, a wide receiver one. Uh, Absolutely. You I know, agree. kind of like yeah. an Andre Godala situation where it's like, you know, this person has kind of been thrust into this situation. And for Nelly, it's because of injury uh, to Alshon and Deshaun, but that he's a better player out there when he's got somebody to bounce off of. Absolutely. I, I don't know if um, I'm seeing, I'm seeing Aguilar was targeted, uh, 12 times yesterday, caught eight of them for 50 yards and, and two touchdowns. You have, to, you have to figure that those other catches, so so he missed four. So let's say each of those four, let's say they were each for five yards. Right. So he has a 70-yard game and two touchdowns. Let's say they were more realistically for 10 yards each. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about a 90-yard, two-touchdown game. And to be honest, I do think that's what, chip thought that he had when he when he decided to draft nelly but i think through his play we've kind of seen nelly is best in that game like in the super bowl game 
where he's going off and making great clutch catches as the team drives down the field that last time, finishing the day with nine catches and 100 yards. That's the sort of player that he is. He's he's a Jason Avant type player. And I know I'm not putting him down to say that. I'm not saying he's the same exact type player, but he's a possession kind of a receiver. He's a great guy to have. He can occasionally break something and do something flashy. But for the most part, he needs other receivers to be there. He can't do it all. I don't know if you uh, <laughs> if you had the chance to watch the news today, um, but there is an interesting story about a uh, a Philly man. I believe it was in West Philadelphia. Yeah, I saw this. Um, With the fire. He, he was a, he was a, yeah he was a, had experience <laughs> as a fireman, and there was a burning building. So the guy's just wearing street clothes, jumps up onto the building, and when he's getting interviewed afterwards, um, the man said. My man just started throwing babies out the window. We was catching them, unlike Aguilar, <laughs> as he turns to the camera to like widen his eyes. Um, that is that is funny after a, a a heroic moment, like running near to a fire to save babies being thrown out of a window. When you were being interviewed at it, you would have uh, <laughs> the wherewithal to to jokingly say he was catching them, unlike. Nelson Aguilar was only in Philadelphia, only in Philadelphia, Mike. I do only in Philly. I do think it emphasizes the point of how big some of the drops were that Nelly wasn't able to, to reel in. And, um, you know, that's, that's the, that's the thing that he's never been able to overcome. Uh, I think with as much money and investment as we have in him and, uh, he should not be he should be expected to bring whatever's thrown his way in and when it's you know when the game is on the line and he needs to secure the ball um, to pick up a first down he has to do that you know like Zach Ertz if the ball is thrown to him on a third or a fourth down you're pretty comp you're 99 percent of the time he's gonna bring that in mm-hmm. Um and that's what that's what you want. That's what you want out of your receivers. Nelson's not there. Yeah, and I think you know, I think Nelson still has there. There's still something there that we'll see that will that will remind us of what he can do. But I do think he's got to have that complimentary piece. Okay, last thing I want to talk about. Then we're going to move on to Green Bay. We could talk about the defense as a whole, but let's just talk about the defensive line. They're not getting enough pressure. It's the bottom line. They're not getting enough pressure. Uh, The ends aren't getting enough pressure. Fletcher Cox doesn't look totally healthy. There's times he's not being double teamed and he's still not getting through. Um, And he said as much. uh, One of the post-game press conference or post-game interviews with him, he said, you know, I got to do better. And I think, you know, he's coming off of, I think, a foot surgery or something like that in the offseason. So, He's not totally healthy. Uh, he doesn't have Malik Jackson next to him. He doesn't have Timmy Jernigan, at least for the next couple of weeks. I think it said it was going to be a six-week injury. So, you know, he, he's, he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. But the ends need to, need to create some pressure. The pass, rush has only, yeah. the pass rush has only created one sack from Timmy Jernigan in week one. That's the only yeah. sack that we've gotten. The other sack was from a safety blitz. So the D-line needs and- to apply more pressure. Maybe, maybe also this like frustrating thing that I think keeps happening uh, to us uh, against us by opposing defenses are the defensive linemen timing Carson's throws where they can put their hands up and tip it. Yep. If you're not going to get to the quarterback, we need to have more of that type of style of play <laughs> exactly. to, 
to disrupt what's going on because our defense is predicated on the defensive line making plays. Well, and some something that I'm wondering too is that you know I don't think Schwartz has a ton. This is something that you had brought up about linebackers uh, on a couple podcasts ago, but they're really lacking in that middle part of the defense. And I wonder if Camus comes back, if, if he doesn't send him on a line black, a linebacker blitz uh, along with some of these safety blitzes he's been running. Cause I think Schwartz is definitely blitzing more. We can't dispute that, but he, no. I think he's trying to get creative with it because I think he knows that if the line is blitzing, that they might get compromised on the back end to circle back around Stafford. Stafford burned us on a – it was a great blitz by Schwartz, and Stafford sidearmed the ball down the middle of the field for a big first down. Well, and the thing is, and maybe this will cap you know everything we've talked about before, um, regardless of who you're willing to give up or not, Jalen Ramsey makes the quarterback hold the ball. So Absolutely. I think that's something worth saying, and I think he's a player worth acquiring. If there's any truth to that, go get him, Howie. Make it make it yeah, how he sees it because go because, get him. Do it now. because truthfully, whatever it is that we would give up, I think I could learn to live with it. Either because other players are getting healthy or because Ramsey's just that good. If you're gonna shut down a right. whole side of the field, you're having a huge effect on the, the mentality of a quarterback anytime there's pressure. So Yeah. And I think you can I think I think Howie will be able to replace whatever we give up. And if we're giving up a first round pick, it's gonna be a late first round pick. And a let's, third round let's pick, hope so. we can Right, 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 and and whatever the player is, I mean, yes, we have some some good young talent on this team, but you know, hopefully, we'll be for a player like Ramsey, it's worth it. Yeah, and I think you know, moving into the rest of the season, they have a bunch of quarterbacks who are on track, some of which to be in the Hall of Fame: Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. Uh, they have some some difficult games coming down the track here. So I really think as the season rolls on, you know, Mike and I are going to see them play against the Bears right before their bye. No game after the, you know, the Lions were a game that we thought that'll be a home game. No problem. They got that onto the next in Green Bay. And now it's like, boy, I hope they can figure this out in Green Bay. If they, you know, if they overlook the Lions, it definitely came across. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, let's move on to Green Bay ourselves. Um, but good conversation yep. all, all around and uh, interested <laughs> to see what happens from your boy Nelly. I'm, I'm hoping you're sending him good vibes for uh, just a couple uh, I, nights I, from tonight. I think he needs to have a big game at Lambeau. Maybe we'll see a leap. Maybe we'll see a leap out of Nelly. <sighs> Man. Well, I mean, if he would have to have a reason to leap. So if we're seeing him leap, it's for, it's for something good for, for our if, viewing purposes anyway. <laughs> uh, but as far as Green Bay is concerned, um, you know, this, this outlook is bleak. Green Bay is 3-0. Their defense is really good. They have Aaron Rodgers. Um, they pose, you know, the only thing that I think is interesting about Green Bay is they have a first-year head coach. And I think there's yeah. potential there for um, Doug to kind of out scheme and, and maybe outthink. Uh, but, you know, Rodgers is good. The offense has actually struggled. The defense has been more of the focus for the Packers recently. Uh, in I'm just going to some... bring this up real quick. Go for it. Um, Aaron, I was watching Packers game. It was a primetime game the other day, and they're highlighting the QBs from each team. Aaron Rodgers is sporting a, a pretty, like, aggressive frowny mustache i don't know if you saw this picture i did see it yeah i saw it I was actually i think during the preseason he took a picture like wearing some like denim suit or something like that and he had it and i thought it looked kind of goofy right yeah i was just gonna say well you know what are your thoughts on that on that kind of a uh, uh, facial uh facial hair and and how how would that impact maybe a player's uh attitude 
I think it's just drawing attention to yourself. Honestly, I yeah. think that's what it's about. And I think he's somebody who's kind of always done that. You know, he's said all kinds of, you know, weird family stuff go on. He dates all these celebrities. And so I think he's somebody who appreciates the attention. And it's interesting because on the Packers team, there's not anybody else other than Aaron Rodgers that I can think of that's a, you know, a flashy, loud, noticeable type player like that. I mean, they definitely have some good players, but right. nobody that I think of in that same way of like, look at me, look at me. So that's how I see no, him. I'm, that's I'm not even because we're I, playing him. That's not even yeah, no, I, I think I think Aaron Rodgers is uh, quite egotistical um, and full of himself, as I'm sure a lot of um, the best players in the NFL are. But I don't like it at all. I hope the Eagles I hope the Eagles um, are able to put him on the ground many times legally. Of course, I'm not trying right. to advocate for us to hurt him, but no. maybe this ties into, you know, the first uh, little point for this upcoming game. Um and Chris, I'll throw this one to you. Yeah. Can the Eagle can the Eagles win this game? They can uh, win. I they mean, can, and you know, putting a game. lot of things in perspective, you know, we're we're depleted players. Uh, we're coming off a short week. Uh, there's a lot of question marks with offensive players. Yeah. What do you think? Can we win it? Uh, they can win this game. I'd say the likelihood is not great in the eyes of the odds makers. Uh, I think the line right now is at four and a half. It started at the, the normal home three that uh, any home team in Green Bay got. But it'll be interesting to see what the line does. Um, I'll say this. If Carson Wentz can win this game, and I do believe the Eagles are going to win on Thursday. Um, I like that. I'll say that now. Uh, I just have this weird feeling that's always been with me my whole life, whether the Eagles were having four and 12 or 12 and four seasons where they seem to lose to the teams they're not supposed to lose to and beat the teams that they're not supposed to beat, especially in this kind of predicament. And I, I could be dead wrong and we could be staring at the barrel down the barrel of one and three. But I think that I think that the time has kind of come maybe through these first couple games, maybe these were just growing pains, but I think the time has kind of come and it might bring it down to the wire for Carson to show us his fans that he can win these games. And right. it may happen on Thursday. I, I, I hope that it happens on Thursday. I hope that they win, you know, in, in a little bit more of a handed fashion where it doesn't come let down me, to the last play. But let, let, let me just interject right there. Cause I want to, I want to clarify a point and, and maybe, you know, get, get to the bottom of this, just make it a little clearer. Um, as for, for our listeners, when you say you'd like to see Carson um, be able to win the game, show that he can win these games. Uh, but you also say, and you bring back Doug's point from the preseason where he is his advice to Carson is to, um, you know, have his team work for him and not try to do too much. Yeah, you know, where is where is the balance between that and, and and maybe you can provide some clarification on how much you expect are you expecting Carson to be superhero and just no. do it himself or no it's more that on the road facing a record of one and two that Carson will lead this team to a win and it doesn't mean that he's shouldering everything part of it is that my hope is that the offense will start to work for him but that there's this sort of rhythm that develops I was talking about kind of like a flow earlier that Doug seemed to have mm -hmm. in 2017 between the uh, running game and the passing game where it just seemed very I guess I wonder about the potential for Carson to be able to execute a game plan that Doug draws up on the road in a tough spot where we can see 
that he can not only play well in a pinch after we're already behind, but he can play a complete game because we haven't seen that from the whole team, and that's not on him. But I do think yeah. there's a narrative about Carson that I'd love to, I'd love for this game to discount. And Have you? Did you know what I mean sorry. by that? That there's a Absolutely. narrative about him in fourth quarter games and in clutch games. Absolutely. And, and I'd really love to see him go in and get this win a lot for that reason, uh, because yeah. I think that he has the potential to do it even despite being down some weapons. And I think if he can do it at this point, we're going to see, we're going to see a major turn in this season. Doug said yesterday, this isn't a defining moment in our season. The loss of the lions. I think Thursday, if they win in green Bay, I do believe that's a defining moment in their season. I, I would have to agree with you. And, and thank you for the clarification on that. I I'm hundred percent in, in agreement. Um, mm-hmm. Love to see Carson be able to, to be the, 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 um, centerpiece that orchestrates this team to victory um but just the past couple weeks uh, i think a lot of maybe one of the things that has to be overcome for carson to really break out and be that and and be able to lead the team is feeling comfortable on the field um there there's too many plays where carson um, clearly feels pressured, turns to one side of the field or decides to run. And as he ma- is making that decision, there's a completely wide open receiver that basically has a clear shot to the end zone that he's just not even looking at. Mm-hmm. And maybe this all comes back to how well the offensive line is pass protecting for Carson. I know there's been a lot of talk about uh, Sayamalu. Mm-hmm. And his play so far this year. Oh, lines looked a little rough. But maybe if you know, if Carson can feel comfortable and keep his vision, really improve his vision downfield, and be able to hit. I, I think in 2017, you know, we talk about it all the time how great it was, but he was just seeing all those open players all the time, and it was happening a lot. So. If he can, if he can recognize that and and settle in, and you know, there's a lot of other things that go into that, the offensive line play and the protection um, for Carson, then we can, re- you know, then he'll really be able to extend his game. Yeah, and I'd like to see it get easier for him. I mean, to go back to your original question, I'd love to see that happen. I'd love to see the offense moving, and I'd love to see the O line play a little bit better. But I, I think. I think it does come down to can he win this game, you know, not for the team, but can he lead this team to a win on Thursday night on the road facing one and two? I mean, everything up against him, basically. Can he do that? And I think that Mm -hmm. would be great to see, you know, not just for uh, us as fans, but for for them, for the team. And hopefully, (laughs) you know, after something like that, maybe Deshaun and Alshon got healthy. But on that point, you think Alshon will make this game? Well, everything I've heard so far, correct me if I'm wrong, is that, uh, Alshon is planned to return the following week. So yeah, that's maybe I, maybe I what you're I saying is thing. is there is there added pressure for Alshon to come back this game given given the, what the team is going through? Is yeah, I think is, I think that's safe to say. I think there is pressure. Now I don't know there, if that'll be enough to force him into it, but I think there is pressure. Right, there's a lot on the line. Um, you know what what is the impact of going one and three versus, you know, further injuring Alshon Jeffrey and losing him for the year. 
Uh, I think it's worth preserving Alshon, but you know, at the same, and I don't want to see him get further injured. Uh, but the Cowboys are three and zero, and they haven't played great opponents, but they're three and zero. And the more distance that grows in the division, the more difficult it's going to be to win the division. And I know that there are other ways into the playoffs. Obviously, the Eagles took that route last year, but I, I would really love to see Alshon come back, even if he doesn't, you know, feel a hundred percent. If it could be a red zone situation where he just goes up and wins. If it can right. be something like that, and it might not be more than a play or a series, I think it's probably worth it. Um, and, and I really yeah. mean that not in the sense that I want to see Alshon go down. I want both of these guys, both Alshon and Deshaun, to be weapons. I mean, I think look back at the first game. There were four touchdowns total. Two were by Deshaun, one was by Alshon, and one was an Alshon like, you know, run kind of thing where they threw it to him on the line of scrimmage and he ran it in. So yeah. all of their scoring in the first week all their kind of coming back, putting 32 points up on the board. That was all from Alshon and Deshaun. And what's interesting is they had all those other weapons, Nelly, they had Ertz, they had Goddard, they had JJ. But what was great is other people were taking the attention. So even if those guys come back as a decoy, even if Alshon doesn't get a target, if he's on the field, he's taking the defense's attention. Yeah. Um, in addition to Alshon, uh, and I totally agree with all your points. I, you know, I, I hope he's able to, to play and that would that would be huge for the offensive scheming does does Dallas Goddard um play in this game yeah I I would hope so but at the same time I felt like it was weird what happened yesterday against Detroit where he was activated but then said that or sorry he didn't wind up playing in the uh, first half then he winds up playing in the second half and has a crucial drop so Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's healthy or not or if he's in that same predicament that we were talking about where he's feeling pressure to come back but he's not quite a hundred percent it's it's really hard to say, but they need Goddard. And if they don't have Goddard, luckily now they have Alex Ellis, who's another backup tight end that they can at least use, you know, if they want to run 12 personnel, which was a challenge uh, in week two against Atlanta. But I, I think right. that they're in a position now where having more options is going to be better because they're already depleted by injury. Um, yes. What, what are your thoughts on the run game? What do you want to see out of the run game on Thursday? If they win, what does the run game look like? The run game, if they win, it's going to be, it's going to be very balanced. Obviously, this is an away game. Um, I think early on in the game, it would be very beneficial if we could establish the run. I did think that um, coming out in the Detroit game, Doug kind of had game planned for um, to establish the pass first, and then he started running the ball successfully, at least in the first quarter. Uh, I. I I think a very well-balanced running game throughout um, this game is going to be crucial for a couple of reasons. One, you're playing in at Lambeau field. It's going to be a very loud environment. You need to sustain drives and quiet that crowd down. You don't want the momentum to get too crazy over there. It's going to be a tough environment to begin with. Um, so I, I think you look to have a balanced attack out of Sanders, uh, Sproul, probably mostly Sanders. It'll be interesting to see if it's Sanders and Howard or if it's Howard and Sproles, you know, coming off Sanders, two fumbles. I would really love to see personally Howard set the tone and then Sanders be not change of pace. Sounds like he's a backup to be, to have Howard be that vanilla guy. And for Sanders to be the flash player, let Howard get you three, four yards that you need and let Sanders break off a play for 15. You know, right. I, I think they need to have some kind of a rhythm like that. It seems 
it seems like there's a lack of cohesion there between the run game. It's like individual runners instead of a committee. If it's really committee, they should be complementing each other's styles. And I'm not seeing that very much. So that's something I'd like to see on, on Thursday is just some complementary styles. If they win the game, I think a lot of it will be built on their ability to possess the ball and run it. Um, And another thing, do you think the, the wide receiving core figures it out? I think my biggest hope when I, when I think about that phrase figures it out, my biggest hope is that there are no drops in this game. Honestly, I think if there are no drops in this game, the team, and I think last week against Detroit, I think if there are no drops in that game, seven drops total, I believe if there were no drops, we probably win that game. So you have to figure that, you know, each of these little things kind of stacks up, you know, Doug's, slogan to the team before the year was everything matters each of these little things is is stacking up and they're they're in a tough spot they're they have a losing record right now they're facing a difficult opponent that's undefeated on the road so this is really kind of show and prove time but um i i do think that the wide receiver core is going to struggle a little bit to be realistic uh, but i do think they have a much better outing than they have in their last two games versus detroit and atlanta and green bay that's that's <laughs> Maybe I'm being I, hopeful, wishful thinking, but I, and just knowing knowing the atmosphere and knowing the tone of the game, I think the first couple um, series that we have on our first possession, I'd love to see us sustain it. Um, scoring on that first possession will be really big for us um, in establishing a tone that we use play throughout the whole game. I'd love to see a sustained drive with at least a field goal, um, but those initial series I think are going to be very tense with some short yardage pickups um, to, you know, convert on like a third and short a couple times. I would like to see as the game progresses, um, the plays start to extend a little bit while staying true to the run. Yeah. And I think that's something that, again, that goes back to that rhythm kind of flow idea that if Doug's getting into it, you know, game plan wise. And I think, I think he knows that they're in a tough spot. I think that he's going to try to draw up something like this, but I think that is what it'll look like. I think we'll see a nice balance of tossing the ball and then using running the ball as a way to get those needed yards, but also to, to hold the ball and to possess uh, on the road. That's going to be difficult for them to do. So yeah. What do you think, Mike? Should we should we make some predictions? Yeah, let's make some predictions. Um, okay. You, um, give me a give me your score. Okay. Well, given given the um, so far the the Eagles' offense still trying to put it together, um, and the the play of the Packers' defense, I think the Eagles do win this game, but it's going to be a close and lower scoring game. So I'm going to go, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Eagles 17 Packers 14. Mm. Yeah. I, I also see the Eagles winning this game, not for any logical reason. There's a little bit of fandom coming in here, but I've, like I've said, it's a lifelong complex. Maybe it is for Mike too, but the Eagles have this tendency. Well, according, uh, and according to that... the law of averages, we, we should win this game. <laughs> Well, and that, that, you know, I think on the road, they have every, almost every factor not in their favor. And that is usually where the Eagles thrive. So I am going to go with an Eagles win. Uh, I see the final score being something like, oh gosh, uh, let's say 20 to 13. Okay. 20 to 13 Eagles. I, I don't see them being able to put up a ton of points on this Packers defense, but I think if they can get up early, 
Uh, I think Rodgers makes a sweat, but I do think that the Eagles can hold on. I think it's really a matter of getting up early and holding the ball. So as far as your offensive player of the game, who do you foresee in this, Mike? My offensive player of the game. I don't know. Can you come back to me when we, while you? Yeah, while you... I'll come back. I'll come back to you. I, I think I'd really love it to be Jordan Howard. I said that a couple weeks ago, the last pod before Atlanta, I said Jordan Howard. Uh, he barely saw the field. Uh, I don't get it. And it really is reminiscent of Doug with LeGarrette Blunt when we had him. In, and I feel like we brought up 2017 a lot. It's starting to feel like glory days type talk. But I just really think that it, they need to utilize this weapon that they have. And he might not be the flashiest guy, but he's getting it done. So I'd really love to see him carry, you know, the bulk of the carries with Sanders kind of sprinkled in. But I'm going with Jordan Allen. Oh, I I like that call a lot. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with, um, a you know, a, a safe pick, but something that I think the Eagles are going to return to. I think Zach Ertz has a monster game for us this week. Nice. I'd love to see that. Um, on defense, uh, um, I'll start us, I guess, to give you time to think since we didn't pre-plan this, but I think it's Malcolm Jenkins. He had that great field goal block yesterday. I think he's hungry and he wants to make a difference. I don't really see the rest of the secondary doing a whole lot, but right. Malcolm Jenkins would be my guy. Yeah. And I mean, wow. I can't believe we didn't even bring his name up, uh, during this. Yeah. What a play during this what podcast. He, he single-handedly tried to will the team to victory and, and you, you almost, my heart was almost like broken that that the Eagles offense just couldn't put it together enough to to at least send the game to overtime. Um, well, as we said, you can't ask Carson to do anymore. I don't know what else you could ask Malcolm to do. He's all over the field, I, filling, I, you know, filling filling every hole the Eagles defense has. I so. agree. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with and and I, this is this might be more of a wish, um, but I think this is. Fletcher Cox's breakout game. Man, I hope so. I really do. I, I really think that he's somebody who, you know, somebody said on a podcast I listened to earlier today, Fletcher Cox is one of those players that even though he's a defensive tackle, he always jumps out when you're watching just how he just pushes back the person that's in front of him. And we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So let's let's hope it is the injury and let's hope you're right. So uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up again. Uh, apologies if there are any uh, technical difficulties in listening to the podcast today, but uh, our hope is that uh, with some editing, we can clean it up some and it's uh, worth listening to before Thursday's game against the Packers. But uh, for Mike, uh, this is the Eagles water cooler, and uh, we're signing off. Nice. Go birds. Go birds.